Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading is from Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. That answers my, my question. And yes, I'm, I have one foot out the door. Yeah, that's that. Well, today is our final uh, sermon in this series, our final station, and the final time that we're going to be looking at a piece of this artwork uh, from our friend Scott Erickson, which I just found so helpful and meaningful. Um, and so here we are with it. Next week, we do have a very special worship service that we are planning on Pentecost, we're going to include our artwork, have a guided time of prayer, and a meaningful time of worship. But as we reflect upon what, all that we've experienced in the stations of the resurrection, I'm just reminded what Jesus chose to do. Jesus chose to first meet with the women, to encounter the, these women, and showed himself as alive again. We find Jesus meeting with the disciples in this liminal space between Jerusalem and Emmaus in the midst of their confusion and uncertainty. We find Jesus breathing peace upon his followers who are locked behind closed doors. We also find Jesus being willing to have his wounds touched, to be able to move people through doubt into faith again. And then finally we saw Peter being restored in Jesus' grace and his mercy and his love. And so what we, this is what we've seen Jesus do, but I think it's remarkable what Jesus didn't do, what perhaps I would have chosen to do if I returned. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. What I probably would have chosen to do if I returned, I probably would, would have gone to people with this kind of subtle, see, I told you so mentality, that kind of posturing. I also maybe would have gathered the masses, filled up stadiums, and shown myself as like alive and real, creating a movement in this world. I would have done that too. But Jesus instead, he has these personal and private moments of restoration. We find Jesus in, in this this kindness and this compassion meeting with his followers to move them into life and ministry. And the thing that we see Jesus do more than anything else, in my point of view, is we see Jesus sending them out once again to say, this ministry, this kingdom is not done because it's going to be through you. It's going to be through you, your people. And we find this in particular in the story that we have here in Matthew 28. What we find them is Jesus sending out his disciples to continue the good work in this world. We find this here in Matthew 28. Did anyone, though, notice something surprising about this passage? Something that perhaps is uh, a little bit surprising here. Then Jesus went, met up with the 11 disciples. They went to Galilee, to the mount where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. For me, I think it's fascinating that these like 11 disciples have now encountered the risen Savior, yet they are still struggling with doubt, even in spite of everything, in spite of Jesus telling that this is what's going to happen, showing himself that they're in this mixture of worship and doubt. We've talked about doubt in this series, and I find it very, very comforting that 
these disciples, their faith and their perspective still is a mixed bag. I find it comforting because in many ways, maybe that's what you experience. I know that's what I experience on most days is this mixture of perspective and feelings and questions and convictions, all of it intermingling. This word doubt right here uh, could also be translated hesitation, to hesitate or to waver. It literally means to have two different standings, to be standing in two different places. And so these disciples, they're worshiping and they're also holding doubt. They have two different realities that they're embracing at the same time. They have hope and joy and enthusiasm while also confusion uncertainty, unknowing, hesitation. And for me, what I I think is so important to notice in this station, in this moment, is what Jesus chooses to do. Jesus doesn't chastise them, but Jesus actually sends out the doubter alongside the worshiper. Like, Jesus is not waiting for them to have it all, like, nice and tidy for them to to, to excel and to prove himself, but Jesus actually sends the doubter. And I think in part... Because one of the ways that we will move through doubt is not just by intellectually having it all be, you know, convincing, but it's actually in our going that sometimes we move through our doubt. When we actually see God at work in the midst of our faith, in the midst of our convictions, in the midst of our uncertainty. And I think there's some people in this room that actually believe that God is waiting for you to have it all figured out before you can be sent into this world to make a difference. And that's not what this station says. It's not what Jesus is doing here. That Jesus commissions them. And perhaps that's what will will move us into a more deeply rooted belief will be as we go, we will encounter Jesus again and again and move into deeper belief and faith in this world. And so to this group of worshiping, doubting followers, Jesus shares these final words, the final words in Matthew. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And with that, Matthew concludes his gospel. His story is complete. This is the Great Commission. In reading Scott Erickson's meditation that's connected to this artwork that we are looking at today, Scott shared his struggle with what the Great Commission has been used in his life, how people used it to teach him. For Scott, it was so focused on our task of going and doing. Now, because of this, we now go into the world, we teach, we make disciples. And Scott called this work building up one's team. Um, I might actually go a little bit of a step further. Now, it's not about building up your, a pyramid scheme, but um, the task could be that we go into this world and we find people that come under us and we make them into our disciples. We teach them how to talk about God. We teach them how to pray. We teach them what to believe. We teach them who's on our side and who's against us. And we teach them how to interpret the Bible the only way you should interpret the Bible. We teach people what to avoid. And then when they are ready, then you send them out and they bring their own disciples underneath their care and underneath your care. And it's like you're building up this wing of followers. And they have followers. And those followers maybe will have one followers. And if your movement is big enough and if the pyramid is big enough, then greater is your faithfulness, greater is your impact, greater is your glory. But I'm like Michael Scott. I wouldn't call it a pyramid scheme. It just, you know, kind of just feels like it sometimes. 
So what's the problem with this? So easily we can take the Great Commission and we are off to the races. We can take these words and we feel commissioned to go into the world and go and do these things. Uh, we go and re- we reproduce ourselves and we build up our particular brand or agenda and our following or our church's following or our organization's following, whether it's a person or a particular church. And the goal could be just having a greater impact, greater influence, growing that pyramid and neglecting something actually bigger. For me, it is crucial that we actually do go into the world and make disciples. I don't think this is just the subtle suggestion. I think Jesus was serious when he was sending us out to do this, to make disciples, to baptize, to teach. All those things are important. I would actually say crucial if we're going to be following Jesus. But there can be a great omission in Jesus' great commission. And it's the bookends, how Jesus chooses to begin and end these words, which for me is the very heart of it. Without these bookends, everything spills over. It falls apart. And this is how Jesus uh, bookended this phrase, this saying. All authority or power has been given to me. And then Jesus concludes by saying, and I am with you always. Those two things are essential for us to live into this calling, this calling in our life. Our calling is not building our movement or growing our pyramid. This is not determined by our own sense of zeal and passion or certainty or multiplication strategies. The pressure is not on us to recruit, persuade people to come over to our brand of religious identification. It's about partnering with the living God who has all authority and power and who is with us to the very end of the age. Jesus still is leading this movement. So when we are going, we're going to find Jesus already out there. Jesus is not sending us there and just retreating into heaven. Jesus is waiting for us to encounter and to meet him in the world as we go and do this. And what we find with Jesus, our goal is to follow the living Christ who is still doing everything we saw him doing in these gospels. Jesus is still caring for the poor, reaching the marginalized, correcting empty religion. He's meeting with the brokenhearted, healing the wounded, and giving hope to the hopeless. Jesus is making a way for salvation for people to be claimed by God's love on this side of life and the other. Jesus is not done doing this. So our ultimate job as followers of Jesus is not to earn or to prove or accomplish, but is to remain in Jesus, to remain, to abide in Jesus, and to participate in what Jesus is still doing in this world. That is the focus of the Christian life. And without those bookends, this just becomes another self-made movement, like anything else. But with those bookends in place, we are encountering the risen Jesus and discovering a life with him as we go into this world and invite anyone and everyone to join us in following him. So, how are we doing with that, y'all? Do you feel commissioned? Do we feel commissioned? Do we experience the power of the living God with us every step of the way? I believe that Matthew ended this gospel with words, these words, so that communities like ours could feel a sense of power and incredible opportunity radiate through our church so that we would remember Jesus' life and promises and his patterns that Jesus embodied, that they are still the hope of this world. And so I'm left with a question, is that the story that we are telling?
we as individuals, we as a church? Is that the story that we are telling, or as this artwork might ask, is that the song that we are sharing with the world? So, okay, a little, little audience participation. I know we all love that. What are the key elements to all music? What are the key elements to all music? What are, what, what are those elements? Rhythm. Melody. Words, lyrics. Taylor Swift's what? Bridge. You got to have the bridge. Take me to the bridge. What else is there? Rhythm, melody, bridge, lyrics. Yeah. There's also a key. You know, music has keys too. Um, for most of my life, when it comes to this idea of like participating in the song of God, for most of my life, the places, the spaces that I have been developed in and formed in were obsessed with one element, one element of music, and it was the words. Learning the words. You got to learn the words, the lyrics. You have to have the correct theology. You got to memorize scripture. You got to learn your Bible. You got you to put yourself underneath teaching where you can obsess over the lyrics. And what it seems to be true from my experience and for maybe with a reputation of Christians in this day and age is we've neglected the other parts of our songs. So the other parts of that, what's the tempo? What's the rhythm? What's the pace of the life that we live that we are going to display the song? What about the instruments? What instruments are we using? Are we using instruments of mercy and unity and justice and peace? Are those the instruments that Jesus has taught us to play that we're focusing on? What are the instruments that we should avoid? Well, instruments of disdain or privilege or Christian nationalism or antagonisms? Are we utilizing those instruments? Furthermore, what is the key? What's the key that Jesus has set for us? The songs that Jesus is playing in this world, are we abiding by that key? And a key is kind of like an order for what notes one can play. What is the posture of the song that we're telling? Sometimes Jesus sings a minor chord song. Sometimes it's a celebratory song. But what are those keys that we are abiding in as a part of following Jesus? But above all else, the piece that I think we have to know, the key key to learning to display this beautiful song that Jesus wants to have in this world is learning the melody. The melody. Are we singing in harmony with Jesus? Are we Singing off key, are we going into a different song altogether? Are we in alignment with the voice of Christ and the melody of Jesus' good news? I'm afraid that we are tempted to memorize the lyrics, but the song that we are singing is so far apart from the song that Jesus wants to have in this world, the song that we are supposed to sing. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like you can you can memorize your Bible, your heart still be really, really far from God. You can actually take the Bible, the lyrics and weaponize it against people in this world. And you're singing a different song. Like, you're you're singing an absolutely different song. It's a really bad remix for what Jesus wants to say. And in fact, Jesus never would even orchestrate something like that. If we are anything, as followers of Jesus, if we're anything to be Jesus' church, we are meant just to be backup singers, backup vocalists. You know, we're we're not meant to, to change the key and change the rhythm 
change the tempo from the way and the patterns of Jesus. Yet I just know that that's the reputation we have as Christians. If you interact with people in this world, and even here in Austin, you will know that there is a great chasm between the reputation of Christians and the reputation of Jesus. Friends, we need to learn to play a different song. Because I actually believe this. I believe that we can have this incredible opportunity as Jesus is commissioning us in this world. We have this incredible opportunity to spotlight the greatest song the world has ever heard and the greatest voice ever to be shared. And though we often fail to do this, I still have hope. I still have hope that communities like the Vine that we actually can participate in the song that Jesus created. And this world is longing to hear it. Now, this station actually reminds us that, this commission reminds us that Matthew begins his gospel by saying that there is an, an announcement. There is someone coming named Emmanuel, God with us. And here are the final words that Jesus wants us to remember, especially here on this Easter tide, is, I am still with you. Jesus is still with us orchestrating, inviting us into this good work. So because it's my last sermon for a bit, um, I'm going to play a scene from one of my favorite movies. I know I just played a scene from this favorite movie, but you know what? I'm leaving and I don't care. All right, what are you going to do, right? Not come next week? I'm not going to be here next week. (laughs) So in this scene, this is from Shawshank Redemption. In this scene, Andy Dufresne, he's in prison, but he's starting to get a little bit more uh, permission uh, you know, in the prison, and he is uh, diligent about opening up a library. And they finally award him the opportunity, so he has this library, and he open up boxes and pulling out books and whatnot, and then he begins to pull out something else that he wasn't expecting. This police officer leaves Andy alone in the room, and then this scene takes place. Such a good scene. So good. Uh, after this, he spent two weeks in the hole, but in that and when he got out of it, he was eating lunch, and they said, how was it? He said, the easiest two weeks I've ever had. Why is that? He's like, well, I got to take Mozart with me. And they said, well, you mean they let you take the record player down? He's like, no, it was with me here. It was with me here. Don't you feel that way about music? This is the power of a song. This is the power of a song. It can, it can loosen the shackles of this world. It can awaken the soul. It can revitalize us. And this is actually the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is not to change the record or come up with something sleek or cooler, some reformatted version of the story. Our purpose is just to put the needle down and to amplify the greatest song that can actually do everything that we long for Jesus to do in our life. This is our role. And my question for you, my question for me is, Do we actually believe in the power of the song? Do we actually believe the power of the gospel, the power of a life with Jesus is what this world is longing to hear? And our role is simply just to amplify the work of Jesus who is already with us. That music can be in here. This song can be in here with you wherever you go. And our job is to simply to make it known. I think this it's just perfect how this happened. This is the last message for me before I leave, the last message of this. I'm not saying that I'm Jesus and I'm, this is me, you know, like leaving and whatever. But I actually just want to send you off 
to be a community that's making Jesus' songs of mercy and grace and love and justice and purpose known in this world, to follow Jesus' melody, to learn his lyrics of good news, to follow Jesus' tempo, all from the maestro himself. So I would like to send this off, like to send you off with our own commission. Um, so I just want to say all authority has been given to Jesus. All authority, all power is still with Jesus. So Vine community, go and do what you have always been called to do, to be the church built upon Jesus' teachings, built upon Jesus' patterns, Jesus who loves you and has given himself for you. And as you do this, as you go and demonstrate a life with Jesus, may the songs of God's mercy and love radiate from your community, radiate from your life, and never forget, Jesus is with you, will always be with you to the very end of the age. We thank you, Jesus, that you are not calling us to do something on our own, but you've given us the gift of your spirit, you've given us the gift of your words, and you've given us the gift of the church. And so I pray, Lord Jesus, you would teach us how to be a part of your song, to believe in your song, and to make it known in this world. I pray over and I bless this church community and pray that you would continue your good work. In Christ's name, amen. We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.